Mac Power Users, episode 345, the cloud-based file system shootout. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I didn't blow away, David, so it's pretty good. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, I, I I was thinking about you when the storm was going on. You know, my podcast partners in the middle of Florida, and they're, they're talking about it like Florida is literally going to blow away. They, they shut down Disney World. I mean, that's not messing around, man. Apparently, that's only happened like four times in history. If I was back on the Jungle Cruise, I would have just stayed in my boat. I would have been safe because, you know rises with the water right i think i think you would have been pretty safe florida was very fortunate i know other parts of the world and other parts of the country were not so uh, definitely keeping those people in our, our thoughts but i think it took a little wobble or a jog or something at the last minute out to sea and that really made all the difference we we got a lot of wind and a little bit of rain um and it really wasn't too bad so we came through the storm quite well, well i was thinking about all the times over the years how you talk about all your emergency preparedness stuff and it, I'm sure that you had everything ready to go. Someday we'll have to, maybe in the live show this month, you have to tell me everything you did to get ready. But the uh, but today is a different story. We've been wanting to do a show like this for a long time. Uh, we've got to a point now with these cloud uh, storage systems where people are using the cloud for their file system. They're storing all of their files in some place like iCloud or Dropbox or Box. And you and I have both been playing with this a lot. I've been playing with this in preparation of this show for about six months now. And I thought, you know what? It's time. It's time for us to talk about where you could put your files in the cloud if you are so inclined. And just as I was getting ready to kind of finalize the outline, I read an article from my friend Dave Chartier, who uh, has been doing the same thing and has elected to go with, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you what he elected to go with. It's going to be kind of a mystery, but we'll, we'll tell you later. So welcome to the show, Dave Chartier. Hey, thanks a lot. This is, uh, this sounds like it's going to be a fun show. Yeah, uh, it, it's a fun show for nerds. Um, I'm not sure if my <laughs> wife would be all that interested in cloud-based file storage, but man, I am so excited about it. I think it's right up our audience's alley. Well, and I think we might have a, a couple of angles here that uh, that might relate to uh, to everybody who's been living in this increasingly cloudified world. So uh, we'll see. I mean, you guys remember what was the a product Apple had years ago? It put an icon on your desktop. It was called um, iDisk. iDisk. I yeah. Disc. Oh, it was so terrible. It was so bad. <laughs> you know, it was essentially the idea behind Dropbox where you had a a storage on your drive, but it also mirrored to a cloud somewhere. But the cloud was run by my five hamsters and 10 wheels somewhere in Cupertino. <laughs> and it was it's like, I remember if you put like a, a 4k text file, it was like a rock star, but anything bigger than that, you were just going to be in misery. <laughs> and of course it was early days. So I wasn't, I was, I was fearless. I would just put tons of heavy stuff in there and it would just never sink, but that's not the case anymore. It was so cool though. I I have to remember though, like I remember I just did some really cool stuff that actually isn't still around yet because it was built into every Mac. I was a student at the time and I could go to a student lab at school and sit down and it was in the finder somewhere like go iDisk and I could type in my mobile me credential or dot uh, Mac credentials, whatever it was, and get into my iDisk. Like it was super easy to set up. You didn't have to download stuff. That was kind of cool. But yes, everything else was terrible <laughs> well and you they even had sync like it was you could have sync set up 
so that you could sync your iDisk across multiple computers. So it was kind of the, the precursor way to if you had documents you wanted stored on multiple computers, you just stored them in your iDisk. But it was really, really bad. Oh. Well, I mean, I think in hindsight, we could all say that iDisk was a great idea and poor execution. And, you know, this is back in the time when Apple really was horrible at cloud services. I'd make the argument that they're as horrible at it anymore, but they're, um, they're much better now, but they're not necessarily the only game in town. So, um, so Katie opened up her own law practice. I have been fiddling with, uh, cloud services based on this show. And, and my two big ones I've been looking at is iCloud and Dropbox because I'm already paying for iCloud and I got thinking, well, why don't I use it as my storage? Cause iCloud kind of made, they kind of jumped the, jumped the shark last year. They, they got rid of their traditional Apple's idea for file storage and said, okay, we're going to make something very similar to Dropbox. And they've shipped that. And, um, and Dave, I know you've been doing the same thing. The show is not going to be about a bunch of cloud services. We're not going to be talking about, you know, uh, accessing apps on the web, or we're not going to be talking about some of the other things that iCloud does because we've either already done shows on those or they probably deserve separate attention. This show is really about, can you practically store your file system in the cloud in 2016? And what's, you know, what are the best services to do that with? All right, so we got our marching orders. Let's start with a tale of two nerds. Dave, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately. <laughs> so uh, I, a, a while ago, I wrote a blog post on the finer things in tech, my my blog about, it hit me one day that I was, I, I'm suffering from death by a thousand clouds. That was the title of it. And I, I realized I'm paying for I think off the top of my head when I had the idea, maybe a dozen different cloud services for various little features. And when I dug into it, you know, you, you add a few more onto that and a lot of them are redundant. And so part of it, I just started thinking about maybe, you know, there'd be some ways to simplify my, my workflow and where I keep stuff. But then I also realized, you know, if we get away from the nerdery here, I'm just simply wasting a lot of money. And so I started making a list of of which services I'm using and whether I could drop this one or that one or whether, uh, you know, Safari reading list could replace Pocket for me. And the big ones that I came down to were Dropbox and iCloud because they're they were both the most expensive. I had gotten up to ten dollars a month for each of them because I have enough stuff between them. So that's that's one hundred and twenty bucks a year. And so I was playing around with it, whether I could keep my files in one or the other. I came to the conclusion that basically I'm more entrenched in the Apple ecosystem and I have more wrapped up in iCloud versus Dropbox that it would be easier for me to try moving all my stuff from Dropbox into iCloud and go that route. Uh, I'm not running a law practice. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, so that's probably a good idea that I'm not running a law practice. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so might be fun. <laughs> you could see how far I could get. Um, and I started that process shortly before the Sierra betas dropped. And in macOS Sierra, uh, I think Apple took a big step in offering everybody to start storing their documents folder and desktop. So pretty much, you know, just about everything that you do, um, even if you're not deliberately putting it into some kind of a cloud storage folder. And when that came out, that really kind of helps with basically how I work. And at this point, uh, we can get into the rest of the long story later. I'm, I've pretty much removed Dropbox from my daily workflow. I still have an account, 
in case I collaborate with people, because that's still very much a thing. Dropbox is really popular for that. But all my personal stuff is now in iCloud, and I'm just using a free Dropbox account now. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, and we've got some of those things in the outline for later in the show. But uh, one of the big takeaways for me on all of this is Apple is getting a lot better at cloud services. And um, and it's hard to say that phrase without like starting a lightning storm of bad email because there, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of cloud services, but that idea of I'm going to store a file here and there's going to be some server somewhere out in the world in the cloud that is going to keep a copy of that and make it available to me, uh, which is basically kind of the, the value proposition of Dropbox. iCloud does that pretty well these days. Um, like Dave, I wanted to do an experiment really for the show more than anything else. But like Dave also, I felt like, well, why am I paying all this money to both Dropbox and iCloud? And, and I just always assumed Dropbox was my, my choice. But I thought, well, maybe first I should just see if I could pull it off with iCloud. And I moved a massive number of my files over to iCloud. I upped my storage from, I was paying I think it was the 200 gigabyte, which is just enough to store my photo library and a couple other things I use iCloud for to the terabyte. So for the last um, three or four months, I've had the terabyte $10 plan and I put everything up there and uh, I worked with it for a long time. And and there's some problems I had and there's some things I really liked about it. And we're going to kind of talk about it. The, the interesting thing about the, you know, to give away the end here is there's some advantages to both of these services and they aren't the same advantages. So there's actually a good case to be made for either one of them, depending on what you need. And then Katie, you have also been on your own spirit quest, right? For, for cloud storage, right? Well, I, I decided I was going to use iCloud. Um, I decided to run my law practice entirely off of Dropbox. And I don't have a file management system for my law practice. It's just my Mac, my Dropbox, and, and Hazel, really, is, is what I'm doing all of this with. And I looked at it because it, it offered a couple of options. It offered the ability to sync documents between multiple computers. It offered me the ability to share documents with other people if I needed to. And that was really key because if I needed to be able to share out a document or share out a folder, the reality is, is that people are just using Dropbox right now. Um, they're familiar with it. They're comfortable with it. And if I wanted to collaborate with other people and share things with other people, that's what they're using is they're using Dropbox. I had a lot of free space built up in Dropbox. I was an early adopter of Dropbox. I had a lot of referrals. Um, my free Dropbox space was in excess of 25 gigabytes. And so I never really had a reason to pay for a paid Dropbox plan. I, I mean, I got in early and um, ended up getting lots of those, you know, two gigabytes referrals and, and other things. So um, until I had the need to run my law practice off of Dropbox, I really never had a need to pay for a paid Dropbox plan, but I was more than happy to when I started running my business off of it, number one, because I just felt that was the right thing to do, and number two, because it came with some additional features in a pro account. Although I, I use iCloud and I pay, I, I want to say, what is it, two, uh, three bucks a month for for iCloud storage, and I had to up that when I um, when I added my photo library to iCloud. I, I'm kind of happy to pay for both, but... I really only use iCloud for very limited things like photos and uh, iOS backup and maybe occasionally to store things like keynote documents that I want to sync between, you know, things that don't really sync well with Dropbox and everything else for me goes in Dropbox. And I think it may be helpful for you guys. And I was going to ask you this before we get too much deeper here 
I think it would help be helpful for people for background information to know when you talk about you tried iCloud, you tried Dropbox, and you ultimately ended up with one and the other, to talk a little bit about what you were storing and what you're using these services for. I mean, are you talking about storing pretty much all of the files and folders in your computer in these cloud-based systems? Are you talking about storing a select number of documents? How are you using these cloud-based systems? So as far as what I'm storing, that was, that's a good, that's a good question because that was partly what uh, also started my journey. I have started doing much more of my work, uh, being a content strategist, a, a marketing guy who works with app companies, and I'm also a freelance writer. And a lot of the work I'm doing, I realized, is uh, starting in some of my apps, like writing apps, like I use Ulysses for almost everything. And then it usually ends up in something like Google Docs to collaborate with other people, or Quip, uh, which I love these days, or it's getting published online in something like WordPress. And so I realized most of the files that I deal with, the actual raw files where I have to dip into the Finder or the iCloud Drive app on iOS, is for stuff like you know PDF guides that I download. I've been I've been learning you know various skills for my industry because I want to get better at what I do, and I download that stuff. I download a lot of uh, you know icon packs and stock photos that I can use for various projects. I'm not day to day. I rarely open the finder I realized. And so it's more of a kind of a resource or more of a backup for me than like the actual go-to place that I do for all my work. Uh, all of my media is wrapped up in the music apps like iTunes and, and music on iOS and my photos, uh, like you, Katie, I'm, I'm all in the iCloud photo library ecosystem. So I, I don't use the Finder as much anymore these days. So that that helps with some of the things that I, some of the decisions that I had to make with the route that I went. T- tell me what you mean by you don't use the Finder so much these days. Uh, and do, do you mean that you don't, that you're accessing everything by the terminal? Because I, I don't think that's what you mean. Do you mean that you're not storing things in traditional files and folders? Explain what you mean by that. Yeah. So here's a typical workflow. Uh you know, today I had to help a client with a, a blog post and another client I had to were working out a, a, a strategy over the next few months of what type of content we want to work on and where we want to publish it. And so the blog post I started in Ulysses. It's a it's a writing app. It's a markdown fee, uh, powered writing app. So I wrote that out in Ulysses. And then when it was time that I wanted to show my client you know, a draft and we could start talking about any changes they wanted to make. I copied it all and I put it up in Quip. And then which is a uh, it's a Quip is a alternative to Google Drive for documents and spreadsheets. You can collaborate on stuff. You can have folders and chat about the documents with the documents. So it's not, you know, in email and laying all over the place. And so I pasted it into a Quip document in, um, you know, it runs in a browser or it has a, a Mac app if you want to work that way. And then for that uh, uh, strategy that I was putting together for another client, we were working entirely in a Google Drive doc. And so the Finder never never comes into play. Uh, when I'm on my Mac, I hit Command Space for Spotlight and I open Ulysses and I start writing away. And then when it's time to get into Quip or um, Google Drive, I open a browser. Yeah, I'd say I'm a lot like Dave in the sense that um, I'm increasingly doing work on iOS. I don't, I don't have a laptop anymore. I just do a iPad for mobile work. So I don't, I literally don't have a Finder if I'm not in front of my my iMac at my desk. 
So I wanted better ways to get access to data that way. Um, the, like I said, this show is really about file storage. So uh, it really focuses on that issue. I am, as as we've talked about in the past on the show, I've never been a fan of dropping everything in Evernote or one of these, we'll take care of all your files for you. Don't worry, your pretty little head services. I like the idea of nested folders. I like the, the, the portability of them and the control I have over them. But I wanted access to those on iOS. And and frankly, I just wanted the advantage of having cloud access to stuff. So I've got, in addition to all my records, like the personal stuff that I keep, I've got a bunch of the stuff related to the, to the Max Barkey publishing business, to the podcast, to the law business. So I've got... I've got a lot of folders uh, nested quite deeply with lots of information in them. And I had gradually moved those over to Dropbox over the years. And when I decided to do this experiment, I copied all of it over to iCloud. And that's kind of worth talking about a little bit of how I went about testing it, because I'm a little leery of iCloud. You know, it, it has had issues over the years, and there's still people that that are quite um, <laughs> angry with it or, or don't like it. So I said, well, I don't want to do something that's going to you know, jeopardize my own files. And of course, I already have millions of ways I'm backing things up. But uh, I was doing a daily backup with everything that's going to iCloud. I had, a, um, I had a script running that was just backing up everything every day. And I was keeping track of it and, and just checking to make sure things would work. And I, one of the things I can report that over this four-month test, I never lost any files on iCloud. I mean, it, it, it was solid that way. Um, but, but I think we should get into the nitty gritty um, about Dropbox and iCloud. So let's do that next. I want to take a moment to thank our longtime sponsor, Smile, for their continued support of Mac Power users and share with you a very special limited time 50% discount on one of my favorite products. So, of course, I'm talking about Text Expander. Now, Text Expander is one of my absolute, without a doubt, must-have applications on my Mac. I don't even know how I could run my Mac anymore without Text Expander. So here's how it works. We type the same thing over and over and over again, day after day, week after week, month after month. But what if there was a better way? So every time you find something that you type over and over again, maybe it's something as simple as your name, your address, your phone number, a piece of boilerplate text that you include in all of your emails, a revision of a contract, any of that, that is ripe for a text expander snippet. You program that snippet into text expander, and then you can trigger it automatically with just a few keystrokes. And Text Expander does more than just boilerplate text. You can do things with Text Expander like share your snippets with others, and that will make everybody on your team more productive. Text Expander is perfect for standardizing and improving written replies that you do every day. And it can even do things like format dates, autocorrect common spellings. I've got an autocorrect in there for my name because I misspell it all the time. And if you're part of a Text Expander team, create snippets for your group, search through that collective knowledge with just a few letters and a hotkey. Now you can try Text Expander free for 30 days, and Text Expander subscriptions include software for the Mac, the iPad, the iPhone, and Windows. But we've got a special offer for you this month. If you head over to smilesoftware.com slash MPU dash TE, or just smilesoftware.com slash MPU will get you there too. You can claim a 50% discount on your first year 
year of a text expander life hacker subscription. That's right. For Mac Power users listeners, they are going to discount your first year of your life hacker subscription by 50%. But you want to hurry because this offer ends on November 15th. So head over to smilesoftware.com slash MPU to get your 50% discount on your first year of your life hacker subscription. And thank you to Text Expander for their longtime support of Mac Power users. First, let's talk about Dropbox. Um, the uh, I guess you'd call it the grandfather of this stuff, <laughs> even though it really wasn't. I, I feel like I heard about Box.net, now Box.com first, but for whatever reason, Dropbox was the one that really caught on. Yeah, the one that really got me to begin with was SugarSync. Yes, SugarSync. Oh, yeah. And that was great. It was a, it was like Dropbox. It was a cloud-based file storage until one day that it took one of the books I was writing in a Scrivener file and completely turned it into Mishmash. You know, it was a package file. And and at the beginning, these things all had trouble. With them. My guess is Dropbox may have had trouble with it too, but it, it just takes one failure to chase you away. Maybe that was a book you really didn't need to be writing. <laughs> I guess. Maybe I wasn't meant to, but the... um. Uh, when Dropbox came out, they had an early beta and I got, you know, I was connected enough at the time that I got in very early and I've had a Dropbox account for years. And, um, and I will talk a little bit about what the, the tiers are of storage, but in fact, let's just do the basics. Now, what, what is a Dropbox account? How much does it cost? Well, the free, which I think there's really no reason for you not to have a free Dropbox account because so many apps use it. So many services use it. Everybody likes to share it. Um, the free one will give you two gigabytes of storage. And then usually there are ways that you can get little bonus bits of storage from there, like referring friends, although that's a lot harder now because everybody has Dropbox or connecting other apps and services to it. But there's a free tier that's about two gigabytes. And then you can add a little bit more to there through various mechanisms. Uh, the one a lot of people go with is the um, the the one terabyte. It's nine ninety nine a month. I pay $100 a year. I just got charged that recently. So I don't know if that's still available publicly. Yeah, I just I just signed up for it. Yeah, so you pay 100 bucks a year, you get one terabyte of storage. They've got some additional features on the service. One of the things Dropbox does that I think is clever is file recovery. So for up to 30 days, it, once you delete a file on this tier, you can go back and restore it. So it's 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 similar to, you know, the way Apple has the you know, the time machine for documents, but not as good uh, in the sense that you can go back and say, well, what was this document an hour ago? It doesn't have versioning like uh, like the built in stuff on the Mac does, but it does allow you to restore a file. Um, they've got integration with some outside services, which are going to be key when we talk about iOS, like Microsoft Office and Adobe. Um, and they have some good security features. Like one of the things they have at the 999 tier is the ability to remote wipe it. So if your laptop gets stolen and you're worried that someone's going to use that to get into your Dropbox files, you can remotely wipe that device out. That was one of the big reasons I decided to upgrade. Oh, really? Well, you know, when you put your law practice on, you've got to. I mean, you don't have a choice. And, and one of the things they do is they have... Um, uh, two-party or was it two-factor authentication, which is really nice. So if someone gets... Well, two-factor authentication is actually available across all the Dropbox tiers now. Yeah, okay, good. But the um, but either way, um, whenever you set up a new device, you're going to need to get the secret code where they're going to send to your, to your... I believe I get mine through via text message. And um, so that's nice too. So you've got a lot of... You've got pretty good security... Uh, you've got file recovery and you've got a folder that you can pour one terabyte worth of data into. 
And for most people, that's going to be enough to hold just about everything in their life. Uh, another nice feature with Dropbox across these paid tiers is, is the password protected links and the ability to um, send out basically collaboration links with the device. So if you've got a folder, like I just recently needed to send a large folder of documents related to a law thing. And I didn't want to burn, you know, a CD and mail it or DVD and mail it to somebody. And I didn't want to, you know, deal with a thumb drive problem or whatever. So you put it in Dropbox and you create a, a download link and you send it to the right person. And then they can click on the link and pull things down. Dropbox makes it relatively easy to share huge amounts of data across the internet to somebody else. I don't remember the last time I've heard someone say the words burn a city, let alone do, never mind doing it. I don't remember when I've heard the last time those words together in that order. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I think it's a legal thing because it's a very antiquated industry. So I hear it occasionally. People say that they want me to send them a. Oh, wow. We, we keep the stack of CDs next to our fax machines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, on this one, the guy's all like, oh, this is a big file. Why don't you just send me a CD or a thumb drive? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have a better idea. Why don't you just log into your email and <laughs> download it all? Wow. You can do that. You know, so, yeah, I think Katie and I are, are around a bunch of dinosaurs sometimes. But I think we're not alone. I mean, Dave, you work in the tech industry, but there's a lot of folks listening to the show who are or not. And, and that's still a thing out there. And Dropbox really solves that problem for you. I mean, like even one of the things I did with Dropbox a few years ago uh, for, we had gone to, uh, to Orlando, to Katie, you know, to Katie's backyard for vacation two or three years ago. And we went to that Harry Potter land at Universal. Cool. They had this, they had this awesome thing where they like shoot a video of you and they make it look like a live like card from the Harry Potter universe. Hmm. So we had this awesome video and we decided we're going to put it on our Christmas cards. We're going to put a link for it or a QR code or something. And so I, I hosted the video on Dropbox and, and made a real simple bit.ly link. And so all our family, when they got a Christmas card, they could go on their website and look at it and look at the video. And everybody thought it was awesome. But that was something that was possible because I had this Dropbox storage and an easy way to share a link. And um, it, it's just, there's a lot of stuff like that you can do with Dropbox, which is pretty great. But Katie, Katie went crazy. I mean, she went all the way in, right? <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but. Uh, well, well, tell me, because I, I know you got, you, you went above Dropbox Pro. What did you do, Katie? No, I, I went Dropbox Pro. I thought you went for Dropbox for business. I did not, no. Okay, well, but I can but I can talk to you about about Dropbox for business because I did investigate it and ultimately did decide to go Dropbox Pro. So Dropbox for business will ultimately, though, be my next step as soon as I add someone to my firm. But Dropbox for business is really what it it sounds like. It's when you need something more than pro or when when you're really using Dropbox to collaborate amongst multiple people in a team. Dropbox Pro works for me for now because my business is a grandiose business of one person um, and I, I don't need to share anything with other people. But as soon as I do add that next employee, I will be upgrading my account to Dropbox for business. Um, and the way that that works is it's uh, $12.50, I believe, um, per person that you add uh, per month. And so it just keeps rolling, rolling from there. Um, and you get as much space as you need. So there's, there's really no, you know, um, limit to what you need on Dropbox. It just keeps growing as you need it. And I think what they kind of assume is that the more people you add, the more you pay for it, the more data you have. And so it all kind of works out at the end. 
Um, it does have unlimited file recovery. And then it has a lot of the features that Dropbox Pro has, but you get some additional support. You can actually pick up the phone and call somebody. You can email them. Um, but then it has very granular user control and permissions. And that's really meant for if you're working in a team environment, if you need to share specific folders with specific people, but perhaps certain folders you just want to keep private to yourself. Um, if you lose an employee or terminate an employee and you need to remove their access, it has specific controls and access to allow you to do that. Yeah, it's, it, it really is something we had always talked in the past about Box, which we'll mention later. And Box is a service that has always excelled at this type of enterprise type file management system. This is Dropbox's effort to go after that business. And it's priced very competitively. I mean, one of the things I, I tell people, if you're worried that you're going to run out of space with the one terabyte of Dropbox for another 250 a month, uh, you can get unlimited storage, even if you don't need all the collaboration tools. Uh, th th there's a, definitely a use case to be made for Dropbox for business. And I thought that, that you had started with it, but I guess you didn't. Mm -mm. Um, like you, Dropbox Pro is just fine for what I've been doing. Um, but it's it's an interesting development. It's Dropbox going after kind of the higher end market. And, and they go even another tier. We're not going to get into a great detail, but they also have an enterprise level Dropbox where you can have domain management tools and integration. And they have uh, a sign. I love it when they use these words, success manager. You get an assigned success manager to your account. Ooh, I need a success manager. What a great idea. Yeah. Dave, will you be my success manager? Sure. I mean, that's a whole like startup idea in and of itself. There you go. There you go. Uh, you know, and but either way that you get you pay a bunch more money and you get someone out there holding your hand and helping things work and advanced training and a bunch of other stuff. I don't think our listeners really care. But but for now, uh, Dropbox, you're going to get one terabyte at 10 bucks or unlimited at 1250 a month. And what does that get you? So let's talk a little bit about using Dropbox as a file system and and how it works starting on the Mac, I think makes the most sense. Um, you know, we've talked about the finder Well, Dropbox appears in your finder. You know, it starts like all other finder system file systems. It, it, it's a folder in your, in your finder. Um, they've got some interesting stuff they've been doing on the Mac for years now where they go in and they can actually modify an icon to show the status of the file. You know, like the, I believe it's a green check Mark. If it is, is updated and it's a little uh, blue, two circles uh, circling, but they're not actually moving, but you know, little circle, uh, two little blue arrows going in a circle motion if it's still syncing. Um, and you, you can immediately look in your finder and see what the status of something is in Dropbox. And I think one of the themes of this show really is that the interesting dichotomy between Dropbox and iCloud is Dropbox is really the main focus of the entire company at Dropbox and iCloud is an essential component of Apple's cloud strategy, which isn't the same as the main focus of the company. Yes, um, I would agree with that. And I don't want to get too far off topic, but I also, uh, I know Apple has been um, reorganizing how some of its uh, online services are managed. They, they moved the App Store from Eddie Q to uh, uh, Phil Schiller. Um, and I, th I think that was a great move. Uh, Me too. I don't think we're done seeing the results of that move, but I think it was a good move. Yeah, I think it's been a good start so far. Um, I am of the opinion I'd like to see them do something like that with iCloud as well. Um, 
Eddie Q's heart seems to be more in the, the media business. Uh, whenever he gives interviews, it's, it's always about media stuff and iTunes and look at what we've done. And here's an exclusive. And I don't, I don't think I've ever heard him talk about, you know, this, this supposedly essential fabric of Apple's products. And, you know, that's fine. I, I think, um, you know, if that's where his heart is and that's what he's good at, maybe he could stick to that and they could put iClouds in the hands of somebody who could really help make it shine and, and catch up on some of the things that, you know, we might talk about later where iCloud is arguably uh, lagging. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now, Dropbox has gotten some grief recently for the way that they've been integrating lately into the operating system. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I fully understand the way that they're doing it, um, but the way that they're using the Finder toolbar, there was a, a, a popular article on Hacker News um, where they basically allege that Dropbox hacks your Mac. And, and that seems like that was debunked a little bit, but kind of the... Um, the same idea was there that, that Dop Dropbox kind of modifies itself a little bit to give itself accessibility access. And, and a lot of people have been talking about is, is this really the, the right way to program and, and do what Dropbox is doing? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a third party application that's going to be able to modify the appearance of file icons, you know, there's some, you know, some voodoo stuff going on here. Well, Apple did write in an API for this. Uh, I think it was a couple of two operating systems ago. Um, that other um, companies can take advantage of, but yet Dropbox appears to not have done that. Interesting. There are some limitations. There are some problems with Dropbox. I want to get to those in a minute. And and these are common of a theme. But before we get there, uh, just in general, as a local file sharing system, it works. You've got files you, you drag into your Dropbox folder, and then they're automatically uploaded to the Dropbox cloud. Uh, so they're, in essence, on the cloud storage, but they're also on your local storage of your hard drive, which is exactly what we're looking for. I talked about years ago how I became the hero of my family when my niece was doing her master's thesis and thought she lost it, but it was in Dropbox because I had just set up her file storage in Dropbox without her knowing it. Um, it so that stuff works. The file sharing works pretty good on Mac. One of the nice things I like on Mac is... Uh, you just right click on a file and you can get a, an easy sharing link. You know, they, they make it easy. Uh, they've got a menu bar that is quite useful. Uh, one of the things the menu bar does that I wish iCloud does is it shows you the most recently, you know, files that you've fiddled with. And quite often I'll, you know, be working on the iPad, you know, at Starbucks or at the courthouse or whatever. And I'll come back and I'll just look in the menu bar of the Dropbox menu and I'll see the most recent Word document I was working on because it'll show up as the most recently synced. And I can just click on it and go from there. I don't have to drill for it or look for it anyway. And and there's some really nice usability stuff there. Um, there's a problem, though. And one of them is that these the, the SSD technology has taken off, but the pricing hasn't got as competitive as quickly as we'd like it to. So even though you have a terabyte of storage with Dropbox, there's a very good chance you've got less than a terabyte of storage on your laptop or your or your iMac and definitely on your iPad. So how does Dropbox solve that problem? Um, currently, what they do is they have um, a, a set of, I think they call it visibility controls. I guess I should have written this down before I... Selective sync. Selective sync. That's the thing. It Man, it is terrible. It is terrible. So the... Well, I mean, it works, but the the user function of it, I think, is terrible. You want to talk about how that works, Katie? 
what selective sync, the way selective sync works is you go into the Dropbox, you, you have to find it. And so that's one of the problems with it is you, you really have to dig to be able to find it. It's in the preferences. Yeah. You, well, in, in order to find the Dropbox preferences, you have to go into the Dropbox menu bar app and then find the little gear icon and pull down the gear icon to launch the Dropbox preferences. And then somewhere digging around in there, you'll find selective sync. And Selective Sync gives you the ability to say which folders you want synced in your, which Dropbox folders you want synced on this particular computer. So for example, David, I, I have a lot of stuff in Dropbox. Uh, in fact, if I, you know, I, I think I have a lot, but I think it's mainly documents, so it's not that much space. But um, I, I, for example, I have all of my law practice is in Dropbox. But you and I also share a pretty extensive Mac Power Users folder that's that's also in Dropbox. And then all of my own personal documents are in Dropbox as well. Um, gosh, it says I'm only using 1.5% of my terabytes, so maybe I don't have that much stuff in Dropbox. Yeah, you don't. As I thought I did. Oh, well, I am definitely abusing the privilege way more than you are. <laughs> yes. Um, so, for example, on my my machine at work, it's a Mac Mini that I put a, an SSD in. And at the time, I only put, I think, a 256 SSD in it. And I wish I'd put more, but I didn't. And so we've got a lot of big Mac Power Users files that sync back and forth. And so I have taken Selective Sync, and I've told Selective Sync, not to sync the Mac Power Users folder to my work-related Mac because I don't typically do Mac Power Users work there. So that saves me several terabytes because Dropbox just doesn't sync those files to my work Mac. Um, related on my, I have a little Mac mini server that is primarily used for, you know, iTunes serving and things like that uh, in my closet. I, I don't have any of my work-related files synced through Dropbox to that little Mac mini server because it's a lot of stuff and I don't, I don't feel like I need it. So I've got selective sync to turn that off. So it's just what files do you want on and off? Now, Dropbox has announced this new feature. Wait a second though. I want to, I want to just pile on the old feature a little bit first. (laughs) As Katie explained, it is difficult to find in the, you have to really dig for it. And once you find it, it allows you to turn off and on folders. So as an example, because I'm using, I just looked 610 gigabytes of my one terabyte in Dropbox. And one of the things I did years ago was take all those movies that I'd ripped. And I don't know why I kept some of these movies. I, I, I mean, the kids watch the movies when you rip them all the time when they're young, but as they get older, they don't. But I still have a bunch of movies that DVDs that I bought that I've converted to digital and I put them there. But I can't just put them on Dropbox and say, don't look at this file anymore. Instead, I have to create a separate folder for each movie file and keep it in. That's the only way I have any sort of granular control over what comes and what doesn't come down. Um, so it's just goofy. And and I think that Dropbox has acknowledged that, and that's what leads to this infinity service that Katie was just about to talk about. Yes. So I don't know. I'm, Dropbox Infinite or Dropbox Infinity? Infinite. It's, it's infinite. I'm sorry. I misspoke. But here's the problem that it solves is that most of us now have much larger Dropbox accounts than we do file storage on our Macs. So, David, if you wanted to create just one folder that has all of your media on it or all of your movies on it, what do you do? Because you can't you don't have enough space to sync that folder to any of your individual Macs. 
And right now, the only way that you can add stuff to Dropbox is if you have at least one computer or device that that folder syncs with. There's there's no way at this point to, um, for lack of a better word, FTP stuff up to Dropbox. You know, you can't. Well, well, sort of, sort of. Like what I did with the movies is I had more movies than I had room on my hard drive. So I, I put them up like three or four at a time. Right. And once they were done syncing, then I would disable them in Dropbox sharing. So they're they're in Dropbox, but they're not on my hard drive of my computer. But you did that in a roundabout way by creating a bunch of separate folders and you selectively turn those on and off. You can't just have one massive massive folder called David's Movies that you dump a bunch of movies in because you'd run into that problem. Um, So what Dropbox Infinite is, is the idea is you have all of these folders and you have access to them, so you can see the documents. It, it's kind of a little bit like what what iCloud is is doing in the Sierra, but they're not necessarily downloaded to your computer. And that sounds scary because we're, we don't really like the way that Apple has implemented that with macOS Sierra. But it seems like what Dropbox is going to do that that Apple hasn't necessarily is they're going to give the user control. They're going to tell they're give the user control to say this is a folder that I don't necessarily want you to download, or this is a folder where I want to have access to be able to upload things to, but I don't want you to download anything from it. So you're going to be able to see the folders on your Mac, but not necessarily have the contents of that folder downloaded. And they're going to identify by how the icons look. And I've seen some demos of maybe it'll be like an outline of an icon or or maybe it will have a different sync icon, but a, a way to differentiate this is a folder that is synced with your Mac and the data is here versus this is a folder that you have access to on your Mac, but the data is in the cloud. And if you want to open something or view something, it's going to take a minute because we have to download the data. The beauty is if you right click on a file, it, there's an option to save local copy. That's the term they used in the, the demonstration video. And this isn't out yet, by the way. Just having the ability to say save local file, I think that's something that Apple should really consider for the stuff they're doing with iCloud, which we're going to talk with Dave about in a minute. But um, this isn't out yet. It was announced in April, but they do have a solution that's much better than the existing one, and hopefully it comes out soon. It's interesting, though, that it was announced in April, and here we are in October. Uh, I don't know, is, is, is this just, it's not really like Dropbox to so pre-announce something was this supposed to come out? Have they run into issues um, or was there a problem? I don't know. Dave, Dave, is this cloud storage size versus hard drive size problem one that you face? For me, not uh, generally not yet. And so that's one thing I was, I was less concerned about with, with moving my stuff. Um, the other thing that I'm, I'm sort of waiting to, to run into is with iCloud drive and with Mac OS Sierra, they uh they're they kind of brought that idea to iCloud Drive but of course in an extremely apple way where you get an option to basically say you know if i start running out of storage optimize my disk and you you don't have any granularity beyond that uh apparently it just watches what files you've been using and what ones you haven't touched in a while and sort of decides you know which ones it actually keeps a local copy of or keeps them up in iCloud Drive and if you Something like if you click it or you double click it, it'll actually, you know, quickly download that file. And now you can start doing something with it. I haven't run into that ceiling yet. I'm not too uh, I'm not too worried about it yet. Um, if it becomes a problem, uh, that's something that I can I can certainly deal with. Uh, you know, I, I still have my Dropbox account 
Um, I, you know, if I ultimately run into that ceiling and it doesn't work out for me, I don't mind going back. Um, but uh, we'll see. And if, if if the other side of that coin is is uh, if if iCloud Drive really is becoming that important to Apple and they are starting to make some serious changes on their web services front, you know, hopefully iCloud Drive continues to improve and and they they start building for these these scenarios. So it's a wait and see thing for me. I agree. And some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, the downsides of both these servers, I hope they're both actively copying each other and trying to, you know, make these as more more parity so we have choice. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Fracture. Print your images on vivid color directly on glass. Go to FractureMe.com slash podcasts and use the offer code Mac Power Users to get a discount on your first order. We've all got too many photos on our hard drives and we're not doing anything about them. With Fracture, you can upload your favorite pictures and print your photos directly onto glass. They add a laser-cut ridge backing, so they're ready to display right out of the box. They even include a wall anchor, so just upload your image, pick your size, and it's that simple. Another thing I love about Fracture prints is the color and contrast. They really make your photos pop. And the sleek and frameless design lets your photos stand out while matching any decorating style. You know how long I used to spend looking for frames for pictures? It would take me years sometimes. You don't have that problem with a fracture. It's ready to go right out of the box. Fracture prints are beautiful, and they want to help you spruce up your workplace. Show Fracture a picture of your home office or workspace that could use a fracture makeover. Post a picture of your work area on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag Fracture my office with no spaces. On October 24, Fracture will select one winner at random to receive a $500 gift card. That gives you just a week from the release of this episode to enter, so don't miss out. All Fractures come with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're sure to love your order. Each Fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. source materials in their carbon-neutral factory. So bring a special memory to life or give a unique gift with a Fracture. Be sure to ask them about professional and bulk order discounts before you order. For more information and a discount off your first order, visit FractureMe.com slash podcast. And don't forget to mention Mac Power Users in their one-question survey. I would love for a Mac Power User to win the $500 gift card, so make sure to enter that hashtag FractureMyOffice contest as well. Thank you, Fracture, for supporting the Mac Power Users. So, David, this is probably a question more geared to you since you're Mr. iPad Pro, um, although I guess I do have one, too. But I, I get the impression that you're using Dropbox a lot more on, on iOS than I am. I certainly enjoy having access to all of my files on Dropbox on iOS, and that was one of the big draws for me moving my documents to Dropbox. But tell me a little bit about how you're using Dropbox on iOS. I love it and I hate it. That's the that's the short answer. Okay. <laughs> there are some things that they get so right and there are some things that they get so wrong. I can't get over it. We were uh we were as the day we record this, Dropbox has released a new app for iOS. I don't know if you two have had a chance to check it out yet. Um but but the app was antiquated. It felt creaky for a long time. And I had a whole section. I was going to a whole rant on it. And then of course, like hours before we pick up the microphone, they release an update, but uh, the app just felt really old. It doesn't support split screen, which is nuts to me. Why? I mean, when did Apple announce split screen was it June of 2015? Yeah. iOS nine. Yeah. So 
they don't they don't support it. And even with the update that came out today, they still don't support it. Although they say they're going to have support for it in in I think the the term was a few weeks or within weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's coming. But uh, so the app is kind of creaky. Uh, but but there are some things they get really right with it. The first thing I think they get right is file navigation. Um, it's the way it works is you've got a list of your folders on the left side, you tap one, and then the, another column pops up right next to it with all those subfolders there. And it's, it's the column style file navigation that you may know from the iOS finder. And it's really easy to use on iOS. It's really easy to navigate or go back or go to a different folder somewhere along the chain. Um, super convenient in terms of getting through to files. Um, the other thing that Dropbox, I will always have a warm place in my heart for is when Apple was, in my opinion, dropping the ball on file storage on iOS and cloud storage at the original, even before they had their their solution that was all your documents are going to be stored in your apps as opposed to a file system. Even before that, Dropbox was making APIs and making it possible for app developers to access files in the Dropbox storage system. So as a result, there are so many wonderful apps that use Dropbox as a backend syncing mechanism to this day because they were the first ones there. So it kind of gives you this idea of um, being able to easily get access to documents, uh, having easy access. Dropbox is almost always available. You know, they tie in very nicely with that cross security stuff. So if you're in an app and you want to access Dropbox, it just drops you right into the Dropbox box. You tap allow and then you're in. And uh, so there's a bunch of stuff I like about it. But then there's some stuff that to me just makes no sense. One is the creaky app, which is less creaky now that we're we're talking about it. And the one of the other things I really dislike about Dropbox on iOS is this idea of edit in place. Um, so there's different ways you can store a file on Dropbox and access it on iOS. Am I boring you guys? Is this like crazy? Do you care about this stuff? No, this is important stuff that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. So if you got like the, the, the most common example for me is a PDF. I mean, I'm a lawyer. I, I get contracts in PDF form every day I need to read. And I want to go into my PDF app of choice and mark it up and then send it to them. Well, Dropbox doesn't support what we call edit in place. And we'll, as we'll talk about later, iCloud does. But so if I've got a PDF stored on Dropbox, if I want to edit it in a PDF application, I need to say, you know, open in application. And then what's the first thing it does? It makes a copy of that PDF and then opens it in, you know, PDF pen or PDF expert or whatever your PDF, you know, tool of choices. So now you've got two copies of that file on your system. You've got one in the app and you've got one stored on Dropbox. So you may make the changes in PDF pin and then forget to save it back to Dropbox. So then you go back to your your Mac and it's not there. Or you may save it, but you don't, you know, you don't get the name right and you save it and you go, and there's two copies on Dropbox. and You're not sure which is the one that you made the changes to. I mean, it's just, it's just like the old days of having sneakers and floppy disks again, because they can't allow you to edit in place. And to me, that is like, it's such a killer that that P, that that Dropbox doesn't have that after this long. I actually met a Dropbox developer recently and I cornered her. I, I think she doesn't like me now because I was kind of mean, but I was saying, oh, how come you guys can't fix this? You know, it's just, it's something I run into every day and they're like, well, you know, we're not so sure about the security and, you know, we're a little nervous about letting you edit the files in Dropbox and, you know, they're giving me all these reasons. But if I'm on the Mac, I edit in place all the time. If you're on the Mac and you have a PDF, you open it up in PDF pin on the Mac, it's accessing the Dropbox file. 
Maybe there's something more complicated that I don't understand on iOS, but just the fact that you've got to make copies of the files. And I, I know I've been ranting about this too long now, but it, it really is just a, a big dud and I deal with it every day. So that that's one of the things I don't like about Dropbox. Is there, um, have you thought at all about exploring possibly using a specific PDF editing app that has Dropbox integration for this process instead? Yeah, but they don't really have integration. If you, in the Dropbox app itself, if you go in Dropbox app, they have integration with Adobe Acrobat for iOS, which is like, in in my humble opinion, not my favorite. It's like on the very low on my list of favorite PDF apps. In fact, I don't think it's on my list of favorite apps, <laughs> but you can edit in place with Adobe Acrobat. Uh, if you go into an app like um, PDF Expert or PDF Pen, it can access Dropbox. It has that integration, but it still pulls the file off of Dropbox in order for you to edit in, inside the application. And I've talked to the developers about both these apps. And my understanding of it is that the reason for this limitation is because Dropbox does not allow edit in place. So they can't just go and edit it in place. Oh, now th- the other exception for this is Microsoft Word because so Adobe and Microsoft have made deals with Dropbox. And for some reason, uh, Dropbox has kind of loosened up this restriction. So with Microsoft Word, Dropbox is a dream, which I also spend a lot of time in as a lawyer. And in Microsoft Word, I can select a file or I can go from Microsoft Word into Dropbox, either direction, and edit and place a Word document, and I don't have two copies of it. So so for certain types of files, it'll work. If I use certain preferred apps, which are not preferred in my life, I can make it work. But in general, this is not an ideal way to, you know, to run a cloud storage system where you're forcing the user to make copies. Yeah, it it is. I I do agree. It's, um, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, it, it seems like it, it seems like with, especially with iOS, these new mobile operating systems, Apple wanted to sort of flip the file system on its head, so to speak. And instead of making you go into the file system and opening an app, they wanted you to turn it around and open the app and you use the data in the app. And then the file system just figures it out on the back end. They wanted to like obfuscate that. But then in situations like this, where you might need a file in multiple places, uh, it just, it just kind of breaks down. Um, I, I haven't been editing a lot of PDFs myself lately, but I guess Ulysses, where I do a lot of my writing, is a good example. Like Ulysses uses iCloud on the back end, or it could use Dropbox now. They recently added Dropbox support. But you don't see any of the file system. You don't, I mean, you see representations in the list and you can resort the file list and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, you don't deal with the raw file system on the back end. You just start writing and add your keywords and stuff like that. And the app figures it all out itself. Yeah. And that's a different problem, really. Um, I mean, from a file system perspective, it, it, it's, 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 you're right, because if the app uses Dropbox or iCloud as its back end, you don't even really see the file. I mean, where is your Ulysses file? I, I'm sure you're a smart guy. You could probably find it. But for most users, you aren't even meant to ever go looking for it. You just open the app and your data is there. Right. And they have uh, they have built in a like a, apparently a one tap export option where it will kick out all of your all of the files and put them in folders and subfolders that you've created in the app. Ulysses calls them groups. So they do have an easy way to get everything out of there, because I know that's a concern of a lot of people who, you know, try out this this app first lifestyle, if we can call it that. 
um, they've been conscious of it, but that's something certainly that the developers sort of have to build on their end. And that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of work just to create a, a fallback for, um, you know, a, a safety net for when these systems just become so inflexible, we can't use them. So for me with Dropbox, the, the end story with the iOS integration is, uh, I love it whenever I work on a Word document and whenever I want to work on a PDF document, I want to bang my head against something hard. You know, and that shouldn't be the answer. I mean, I mean, one of the things we didn't mention about Dropbox is the ubiquity of it. I mean, it's not just an Apple product. It's on Windows and Android. And, you know, if you're working on multiple platforms, we just answered the question of which service you should be using. It, you know, iCloud really isn't an option. Even though Apple tries to kind of pretend it is on other platforms, it's not. It's it's a it's it's a, it's a Mac and iOS thing. So to answer your question, Katie, <laughs> I love it and I hate it on iOS. There's some good things and there's some bad. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a company that is focused on sleep, and they have created one perfect mattress that Casper sells directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms, and they're passing that savings directly onto the consumer. It's an award-winning mattress developed in-house. It has a sleek design, and it is delivered in an impossibly small box. In fact, when my Casper box was delivered, my mom made me wait before I opened it because she couldn't believe it. She wanted to come over and see how it worked. In addition to the mattress, Casper now offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. An in-house team of Casper engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create a mattress that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design helps you regulate your temperature through the night. Now, mattresses can cost well over $1,500, but a Casper mattress costs $500 for a twin-size mattress, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king, and they're made in America. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns in the U.S. and Canada, and they have a 100-night in-home trial. You bring the mattress into your house, you sleep on it for a 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll even send someone to your house to pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, which is an especially important thing to do considering you're going to spend about a third of your life on a mattress. And you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash MPU. That's C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash MPU. Use the promo code MPU. Terms and conditions do apply. I've got a Casper mattress. I've been sleeping on it for months now. I absolutely love it. Several of my friends and family members have ended up buying Caspers as a result after they've seen mine, and they've all been exceedingly happy as well. Go ahead and head over to casper.com slash MPU, and thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show. So Katie, tell us about what you, how much iCloud costs these days. Well, let's see. There's a couple iCloud options. Apple deplorably offers their users five gigabytes worth of free iCloud storage. How generous. Yes. If you want to pay for additional storage, it's uh, 50 gigabytes for 99 cents, 20 gigabytes for 299. These are monthly. 200. Uh, I'm sorry. 50 gigabytes for 99 cents a month, 200 gigabytes for 299 a month, one terabyte for 999 a month, or two terabytes for 1999 a month. Uh, 
And it's it's interesting because I recently had to, not recently, I guess back when photos came out and I moved all my photos to the Apple's iCloud. I upgraded and I'm now paying three ninety or two ninety nine a month for two hundred gigabytes of iCloud storage. Personally, I think there's a pretty big jump in there between the 50 gigabyte plan and the 200 gigabyte plan. I I could probably go with something, you know, a 100 gigabyte plan would suit me just fine, but they don't offer it. Oh, well. Um, it's it's funny, though, because I have run into so many people. Um, in fact, I just got a call from my brother this weekend who's got an issue with um, their computers and and they can't back up anymore and they've got too many photos. The solution to their problem is to pay 99 cents a month to get their photos synced and back up and everything's going to be working again. But that just is an unacceptable answer. Yeah. A buck a month, a buck a month, (laughs) $12 a year. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's something I've, I've run into as well. And, and I've had similar conversations with a lot of my family members and most of them have finally hopped on board. Uh, my some of my in-laws have started uh, paying for a little extra space and like now they kind of get it now that they uh, once they got their photo libraries synced up between their iPhone and their Macs. That was one of the things that I saw would make it really click in their head like, oh, I don't have to plug in a cable and import photos and deal with the, you know, this and that. And um, that that helped make it click for them. Not so much the backup thing, which was strange, uh, but we can maybe that's we can get into that on another show. I feel like it's not so much the cost because my brother's fine with paying $12 a year. It, it, you know, he, he blows way more than that on, on other things. It's, it's not, I don't think so much about the money and because he's cheap and doesn't want to pay it. I think it's about the perceived value of, I don't want to pay that. I don't want to pay 99 cents a month for that. I, I I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's, it's, I, I guess it's kind of the same thing of, you know, free apps versus paid apps. Maybe I, maybe not. I don't know, but it just, it just seems like it's the value of why do I need to pay for this thing that I didn't have to pay for before? Why do I need to pay at all to solve this problem? I mean, his solution is to go out and buy a time capsule and an external hard drive and move her photo library to the external hard drive connected to the time capsule. Oh my gosh. And I've explained <laughs> Okay, well, that theoretically could work, but not a good solution. And that, that, that well, that's like forty years worth of, of iCloud storage, right? Just to set that up. The, uh, I, you know, if, if Tim Cook said, you know, hey, Dave, why don't I'm going to make you king for a day at Apple? You get to ha- do a couple things. The first thing I would do on my list is just say, like, you know, everybody gets like five hundred gigabytes free. Apple can afford it. They've got what two hundred billion in the bank or something and i think it's a real i think it would be a huge marketing push i mean in fact google's doing that now they're they're i saw a commercial the other day google says use google photos we don't charge for storage and you know what that's a really good argument because there's a bunch of people like your brother getting that annoying message saying you need to pay us some money so we can store your photos we, we probably shouldn't spend too much time on the cost thing but one one solution i really like that i've seen tossed around on twitter is that you get uh, you know, you buy a 64 gig iPhone, for example, you get 64 gigs of iCloud space. Let's say you go and buy a, a new MacBook and you you get the 128 gig drive inside of it. Okay, now toss on another 128 gigs onto your iCloud drive. You get you get the equivalent space of the the devices you own because. Part of the eventual idea here is they want you to put so much of your life and so much of your data and your photos and everything in these cloud systems that 
they're meant to be both a backup, but also an extension of what you actually have, right? Like, look, iCloud Photo Library is the perfect example. They've been doing that for a little while. Like, you can just keep taking photos and turn on iCloud Photo Library, and we'll figure it out. All the originals will stay up in the cloud, but if your phone starts filling up, we'll automatically take certain photos off your device and just leave the previews down there and free up space so, you know, you don't have to start pulling hair out. And if they expanded that idea to the iCloud for everything, for your files and your, you know, your Dropbox-ish, you know, storage, I wonder if that would really help. It seems to me like a solvable problem. And um, and I, I'm i sure that this stuff costs money to run, but when they make as much money as they do on all the hardware sales, of all companies in the world, they're the one that could afford to find a way to make this less intrusive to consumers. Uh, one, one interesting point about Katie, what Katie just says there, two terabyte is $20, but there's nothing higher than that. If you want to store more data than that, there is no unlimited plan. There is no way to buy more data. So, um, if you're shooting raw photos with um, the photos app, you may find yourself running out iClouds on an option because you can't store enough there. Um, uh, so it, it's, it's interesting. Um, just a real historical point we already mentioned earlier, the original vision for Apple's cloud storage was it was all based on the apps. You'd go in the apps and the pages documents would be in the pages app and there was no finder. And this kind of goes back to early days with cloud storage and iPad. But they've really transitioned to a file system, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this show. So let's take a minute to talk about iCloud as a file storage system on Mac. And, and Dave, you're the guy living it right now. So tell us how it's working for you. So the nice thing there is if you're familiar with Dropbox or even just a regular file system, it's it works very similarly. Uh, iCloud Drive now shows up as a folder like any other. You put files in it and they sync up to iCloud. And Apple has their own little sync indicator as well. So if you dump, you know, 10, 10 uh, photos into a, a folder in iCloud Drive, they'll all get these little iCloud icons next to them while they're syncing. And when it's done, it just disappears. So... You know, the tiny difference is that unlike Dropbox, you don't have a permanent badge there to let you know that it's in the cloud. But I think the idea is just that, you know, if the file is there and it doesn't have a cloud next to it, it's in iCloud like you're good. Uh, the iCloud Drive um, sidebar entry, I forget what you call those. Like when you open a finder window and iCloud Drive is in the little sidebar there, it has a cloud icon as well when it's syncing. So that's an, that's an indicator too that, that something's going on. So it's it's a relatively familiar experience. It's a folder and you you put stuff in it. Um, that has been working really well for me. Uh, the first time I I started doing this, I figured I'd try the whole bundle of about, you know, one big bundle of about 60 gigs of stuff that I was moving over from Dropbox into iCloud Drive. And I just, I set my Mac up and I, um, I actually used an app called uh, Chronosync. Has anybody heard of this? Yeah. Yeah, that's the app I used to do my daily backups when I was doing my testing. Free updates for life. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of wild. Uh, but it's a great app for um, looking at differences in folders or copying one drive to another and only bringing over the stuff you've changed. It's it's great for all that stuff. And that's exactly what I used. I had it compare my Dropbox folder to my iCloud Drive folder. I excluded a couple of folders that I wouldn't want to bring over, like, uh, you know, the apps folder. Like you had mentioned, a lot of apps use uh, Dropbox as their syncing backend. I didn't want to bring that one over because there was no point. Uh, and then I just I let it run and it was 
uh, roughly around 60 gigs of stuff. And it's, it worked just like a, like if you did this with Dropbox, the cloud icon, you know, sat around for a while. And it, when it was done, I checked, uh, iCloud drive on my iOS devices and I checked it on the web and everything was there. I don't have numbers, but I can tell you that when I was testing, uh, upload speeds were faster to Dropbox than they were to iCloud. Um, so just, it, it wasn't it wasn't dreadful on iCloud. It wasn't like the old iDisk days, but it was it was a little bit slower than Dropbox in terms of getting files up. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that too, um, and I, I get that general feeling as well. But it it was nothing that you know it didn't seem like a deal breaker to me. Um, you know, I've I've watched it when I've. That was that first upload. After that, it was fine. You know, I, I do a lot of typical stuff, uh, simple stuff like uh, I'll download a single PDF and toss it in there, or uh, I get those. Um, Unsplash is this stock photo service that gives you 10 free stock photos every 10 days. And so they're, they're pretty high res. So that's, you know, a decent chunk of stuff to upload. And I'll toss all those into a folder I have in iCloud Drive. And, you know, it, it syncs fine. It, it goes fast enough. So it's nothing that made me worried. Um, but that's been, that's been solid. It's been real good for me. I turned on the desktop and documents folder syncing too that showed up in, in uh, Mac OS uh, Sierra. And so let's talk about that for a minute, because because Katie and I went on and on about Dropbox and, you know, syncing stuff beyond the, the space of your drive. Uh, what's been your experience running that? I, I can tell you that we've had some listeners write in that have had problems with it. Um, you know, I, I think it's early days and they're still ironing some things out. But but what's been your experience? That's been good as well. I and I I do not mean to be that that person who's like, well, it's working for me, so I don't know what's wrong with you. I you know, it it really just has uh, it's gone pretty well for me. As a if you're a heavy Mac user and you like having things where they where you put them, uh, it could be a little uh, disorienting. This is like a nice little uh, catch for people to be aware of. If you turn documents and desktop syncing on in the iCloud drive preferences pane your those two folders will disappear from your home folder yeah that, that's kind of exciting <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like when you go to your home user folder and you've got uh you know you've got downloads if you have dropbox installed it's their two movies music pictures public you know the default folders that are in everybody's home user folder documents and desktop disappear and they now live in the icloud drive folder yeah one of the things that i had when i was experimenting with it was I went to open Dragon Dictate and my my Dragon profile is in my documents folder. And it said, hey, you need a new profile. You don't have a profile anymore. And that's because the the way it handled the folder name change, uh, Dragon couldn't find it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in, in terms of uh, just the basic, you know, core, you know, I need to save a file and now I'm out somewhere with my phone and I need to get a hold of it. It's It's been great. Uh, that, that stuff all works really well. If you collaborate a lot if you share a ton of folders with other people of course that's where that's what apple hasn't gotten to yet there's no way to share folders with icloud drive in in the sense of of dropbox you can't right click a folder and give someone a a private link or you can't add people to a folder and give them permissions none of that stuff is there so for that um I'm I'm on a different end of the spectrum. I don't do a ton of collaboration on raw files. We kind of talked about this before, so it's it's less of an important feature to me. But uh, a lot of my clients do still use some of that stuff. You know, when we need to exchange files and they need to give me a bunch of their media resources for a new release coming up or something, it'll usually be in a Dropbox folder. But the browser version generally works fine for what I need. Um, they're usually giving me something like 
you know, maybe some blog posts that they've already drafted or some ideas about a thing and then a bunch of screenshots and stuff that I need to use in things that I'm going to build. So I can get that link in a browser, I can download whatever I need. Um, and that's that's been okay so far. It hasn't felt too tedious. There hasn't been, you know, too much friction there. I, have, I really haven't minded it. Um, the one other minor benefit here, just as like a quick side note, is... I don't have the tools to do any serious testing and looking at like, you know, system resources and speed and stuff like that. But a few people mentioned uh, on Twitter when I started talking about doing this, they're like, yeah, I, I did this too. I, I uninstalled Dropbox and I moved everything. And when I, when I got Dropbox off my Mac, I noticed a fairly decent performance improvement. And I hadn't even thought of that. You know, I've just been living with Dropbox like probably you have for years and it's just, it's just there, you know, you never think about not having it. Um, I use a 2015 MacBook, which is already, you know, it's a little short on resources, right? It's a mobile process in here to begin with. Um, it's basically a, a Mac for iPad people. Um, but I, I did notice that once I uninstalled the Dropbox client, there was a, there was a decent bump in just the regular little stuff like opening apps works a little faster. You know, anything that felt like it might chug a little bit, just chugged a little bit less, um, it was that kind of overall feeling thing. But if somebody has the actual tools and the smarts to take a look at that, I'd be really interested to see if there's a real difference. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I mean, the reason why that menu bar is so useful in Dropbox and shows me the most recently fi- uh, uploaded file and and it's always able to create links on the fly and all that stuff. I would imagine there's a there's there's a resource cost to making all that happen. And the iCloud system is because it's Apple, it's more integrated into the system and probably going to be much more efficient about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically, you know, your operating system does a ton of stuff in the background. And from a really, really high level here, I'm sure developers could speak much better to this. But your operating system has to watch every little thing that you do with files for various reasons. And when you install something like like uh, Dropbox or iCloud Drive or or Box or whatever else, you're adding a second you know, process that's watching everything you're doing or in Dropbox's case, I I think it's only the Dropbox folder, but uh, I don't know if either you two have mentioned this, but some people on Twitter have told me that Dropbox is apparently watching every file on your, your uh, machine for changes to it for some odd reason. Um, Take that with a grain of salt. I just heard it from, from people on Twitter, but the the basic point is uh, it's, you know, it has to watch every single thing you're doing to certain files. And that, you know, that takes up a little bit of uh, a little bit of processes because it's a lot of work, especially the more reliant you become on it. Yeah. OK, so let's take a minute to talk about drop. I'm sorry, iCloud on iOS. And just like there are things I love and hate about Dropbox, there are things I love and hate about iCloud on iOS. Um, the, the first thing is iCloud does allow you to edit in place. It solves that problem that I ranted about with Dropbox. If I have a PDF file on my iCloud storage, I can go ahead and open it in whatever um, iCloud, whatever PDF app of my choices, make edits to it and save it in place, which is really nice, especially if you do this repeated times a day. Um, And I didn't mention, I guess we should mention on, on iOS, there is an iCloud application that you want to enable, but it's not turned on by default. I believe you do it in the iCloud tab of the preferences. I'm pretty sure in iOS 10, it's turned on if you enable iCloud Drive. I think they got rid of that extra step, it seems like, because I was helping someone find it the other day, and that option is just gone, and turns out the app was just there for them. 
Yeah, great. So, and you need, and if you're going to do this, if you're going to put a file system on iCloud, you need to get familiar with that app. Um, it's, it's similar to the Dropbox app. It allows you to, you know, manage files, create folders, move things around, you know, uh, change names. It's all the stuff you want to do with file management. So you want to get familiar with that, but you can open apps from there or you can go into iCloud and open uh, apps. In a lot of ways, it feels more natural. iCloud, uh, iOS uh, file storage feels more natural to me than Dropbox does because it's made by the same company that's making the operating system. Um, the, the, so you get the edit in place feature, uh, with Microsoft word documents, it doesn't have the same level of integration. Uh, it, it does have edit in place, but it doesn't have the same level of integration that Dropbox does because Dropbox and Microsoft have got together and really worked on this problem together where I don't think Apple and Microsoft have, but you can open it up. Like one of the goofy things is when you're in Microsoft word, if you want to access a file in iCloud storage, when you go to the open menu, Dropbox shows up, box.net shows up, or I guess it's just box now. But it, to get iCloud, which is the one made by the operating system vendor, it doesn't show up as a built-in option. You have to click on more and then iCloud. <laughs> so it's kind of funny to me that the Apple uh, cloud storage system doesn't show up by default in Microsoft Word, but once you get in there, you can go ahead and find it. Um, and, and to tell you the truth, as we were going through this exercise, I was really starting to feel that iCloud was going to be where I went to store all my files when this experiment was over until the iOS 10 beta showed up. And there is one thing they have done. And this is the funny part, right? When, when you heard we were talking about iCloud storage, you probably thought I was going to talk about how slow it is and how uh, unsecure it is. Well, I didn't find that it was that slow, maybe a little slower than Dropbox, but not slow. And I didn't find any problems with security or storage. The problem I found of all things was a user interface problem. You know, so, so, so Apple's failure here, they've got a great backend cloud system, but they can't make a UI that works. And it's, it's baffling to me that this happened. I, so if you look on the iOS, the, the way it generally works is you've got a search bar and a list of icons, which is all your folders of storage of iCloud storage. That was the way it worked throughout iOS nine. And it was a little buggy, but it generally worked. Now, um, what happens is it doesn't. And why don't we take a quick break and I'll explain what's wrong with it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. The simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. When it comes to Squarespace, I have definitely put my money where my mouth is. I use Squarespace to run the Mac Sparky website along with my legal website for my law practice. Katie's the same. She runs her personal website off Squarespace. And just about everyone else in my life, including my wife, runs her website on Squarespace. And why not? With its easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. And Squarespace put all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points, like worrying about hosting or scaling or what to do if you get stuck with something. Once you sign up for Squarespace, the rest of it's easy. You can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level, and there's no coding required. You'll easily be able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want, and you don't need to hire a coder. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site and ensure security and stability. They are trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. Their site templates are stunning. 
And you don't have to finish once you pick a template. You can go in and tweak it to your heart's delight. Because they have responsive design built into everything, your website's going to look good on all sizes of devices, from a small iPhone to a big 27-inch iMac. But that's just getting started. There's tons of great features with Squarespace. They have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland, so no matter where you're at, there's somebody always awake to help you out. Squarespace's commerce platform allows you to add commerce to any website you build in Squarespace, and they now have that cover page feature, so you can have a great-looking single-page website. It's all built on the rock-solid fast hosting that Squarespace provides. If you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. So go ahead and start your trial with no credit card required. By building your website today, go to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Okay, so so Dave, have you run into this problem yet? Yes, it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a problem, and I I, th- I feel like it's some kind of a bug or maybe a change that they made during the beta and just haven't gotten to to fixing because it just doesn't make sense. But what they basically did was, if you're familiar with how the how you can view files in Finder, um, the the first version is uh, you can view files as icons, they're like nice big pretty icons, and then the next option is as a list. What they did in the iCloud app and in like any type of a saving dialogue, so you're trying to save a PDF from from Safari or something and you choose iCloud, you'll get this view of all of your iCloud folders, all of your subfolders completely opened in list view. Yeah. So so imagine you're like me and you've got maybe, oh, I don't know, let's say 3000 folders by the time you add all my nested (laughs) folders together. Right. Yeah. And so you get it. You get a PDF. Someone sends you an email and says, oh, here's a PDF. I really need you to read for me and study it and say, OK, first thing I want to do is save it to this guy's file. So I go save to iCloud. And before I could type in the search term, I could type in the client name or whatever. And it would get me generally where I needed to be. But now I've got this scrolling list of folders. Well, is is there disclosure triangles? Can I like collapse them so I can just get to the the set of folders that relate to this person with collapsing things? No, it doesn't do that. It's just got a list of folders. So the way you do it is you take your finger, just, just imagine with me while you're home on your iPad and you just start scrolling up this list of 3000 folders, right? <laughs> like you're like you're lighting a match, you know, uh, off of your iPhone screen. Yeah. Like you're lighting a box of matches <laughs> because <laughs> it just keeps going. And occasionally because you're starting to get increasingly frustrated, um you will go to scroll it, but you didn't leave your finger on the glass quite long enough for it to register as a scroll, but instead a tap. And at that moment, the file you have selected just got saved on that list of folders that just flew up the screen and you have no idea which one it actually landed in. And uh, I, I dealt with this for like a day and I said, this is just ridiculous. I I submitted a ticket. I, I called friends at Apple. I wrote a blog post on it and got a bunch of criticism from developers saying that I shouldn't be complaining about beta stuff. And when iOS 10 shipped, it, they left it exactly how it was throughout the beta. I mean, it, to me, it's a it's a user interface feature that entirely breaks the usability of iCloud as a file storage system. And I just cannot get over that that Apple of all companies shipped this. 
I, I think it was it'd be great if that was a, a view option, just like on the Mac. If you don't want to view things as an icon, you could do a list view. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have the column view because that's that's all I've ever used for years. Uh, but this, this feels like a thing that they were maybe trying this out, you know, as a view during the beta and just maybe they didn't fix it. Maybe it was a, just a mistake or something. But I I can't imagine that this was intentional because it's just it's not very usable. I completely admit. Uh, so the way that I work around it, since I am the iCloud Drive guy now, is uh, I created a folder at the top of my iCloud Drive called at inbox. I basically took the inbox zero or the, you know, the inbox concept from GTD and, and applied it to my files. And that's where I save stuff now too, because I can get to that pretty quickly in the, in like a save dialogue. And then I'm mostly iOS these days as well. I've got an iPad pro, a 12 inch iPad pro too. Every now and then I'm on my Mac, maybe like once or twice a week, I'll, I'll organize my files when I'm on my Mac. I'll dive into that folder and just sort stuff out and and clear it out. So that's the way I work around it for now, but it's, that's certainly not meant to be a defense. It's absolutely a problem. It's a terrible UI choice. It's it's pretty much unusable, and I've filed tickets as well and such, so hopefully they'll come to their senses and take care of that soon. It makes me think there's nobody at Apple using iCloud with more than, like, 10 folders. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder, because uh, I'm, I'm also on the, the 10.1 beta right now. Uh, I think it's the public beta, I should say, so I don't think I'm, I'm violating anything here, but it's it's not fixed yet. Actually, you know what? I haven't I haven't checked. You know what? Now that I think about it, I haven't checked. Let me check. Well, check in for us, Dave. Because I think if they solve that problem, iCloud may be a winner for a lot of people. But to me, it's unusable if you're going to use iOS. And, and I did the same thing you did. I came up with a hack where I had a folder. But then I got thinking, so what I'm doing now is doing everything twice. First, I save it to this folder, and then I have to go into that folder on my Mac. Or you could also do it in the iCloud app on iOS and then manually move everything as opposed to just putting it in the right place the first time. And, and the funny thing is this problem was solved in iOS 9. It worked in iOS 9. You, you had a way to search and get to the folder you wanted. So, yeah, that was a it was a nice way to do stuff and I am I am sorry to report that it is not fixed as of 10.1 public beta 3. Yeah, so I, I uh, somebody has to, I'm sure they know about it. I, I've heard Tim Cook is a big I, iPad user. I mean, how is he saving stuff to iCloud? Or maybe he's not, I don't know. He has people for that. <laughs> you know, so so Dropbox gets a couple things right. They get the the idea of the column format. I think it works really great on iOS. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to navigate quickly through your, your hierarchical structure and get files saved into the right places and, and find them later. Um, but the, I don't think they have any interest in edit in place. They're doing all these updates to the Dropbox app. There's no mention of edit in place. And I, I just think maybe uh, I'm an outlier because I do so much work uh, with stuff that I want to edit in third-party apps. But it feels to me like they don't really have a lot of interest in that. Apple has solved that problem, but they have a user interface problem that is actually, I think, probably a lot easier to solve than Dropbox's problems. And uh, so now someone listening to the show is that's thinking about file uh, cloud storage. You got to take those pieces of data and figure out which one works for you. If we're uh, if we're willing to have any speculation, I I almost wonder if uh, that's a problem that Dropbox is less interested in solving, because as I've been watching them, they've been adding more and more features for doing stuff inside of Dropbox. They added that commenting recently where you can, you know, pretty much any file you can open up basically like a little chat window with it, which is a a mechanism that I love, by the way, like in Quip and Google Drive and stuff, how you can have a chat on a document instead of 
you know, across messages and email and everywhere else. And it's scattered everywhere. The thing you're talking about is, is right next to the conversation there. Um, you know, they added that so you can start working on documents that way. And then with this recent iOS update, they've added, you know, PDF editing, basic, I think PDF editing and, and markup inside of Dropbox. I wonder if they're going that route. They don't want you skipping out to third party apps because, you know, you're sort of getting away from Dropbox. Why not just stay here and edit the PDF or the Word doc or the, you know, whatever else they want to toss in there? Yeah, one of the features they just added is the ability to sign documents and they, they have their select partners. You can deal with Adobe, you can deal with Microsoft or you can stay here. And otherwise, you know, good luck to you. And I don't I don't say that in a negative way to be absolutely clear. I mean, it makes sense for them as as a product, as a Dropbox. And if your life is in Dropbox, it's kind of a great idea. You know, if you don't have to skip to another app, if Dropbox can do some of that basic stuff for you, that's that's great. That's a total convenience win. It makes sense. Well, we maybe should have called the show uh, the iCloud and Dropbox showdown because we've really spent, you know, an hour and 35 minutes here or 25 minutes here talking about iCloud and Dropbox. I, I do want to mention that there are a couple of other contenders in this space. Um, Google Drive is, is certainly something worth looking at, especially if you're working with Google Apps for Work or Google for Business. Uh, you do get that Google Drive space that comes along with it, and especially with the Google Drive um, app for Mac. That can be used as storage space that you can sync across multiple devices as well. You can store anything in that Google Drive space, not just Google Documents. Um, they've got a number of tiers starting with 50 gigabytes free all the way up to 30 terabytes for $300 a month if you want to spend that much. Um, but hey, someone might need it. Yeah. And then and another couple is Box, which is one of the other kind of old timers in the space. And they started out, have always been an enterprise solution. In fact, their plans start with three users at $5 per user. So it's not an individual user solution, but if if you've got a team, uh, Box is a very good option. And I, I think it's a competitor to uh, Dropbox for business. Um, they, have, they have unlimited storage for $15 per user. And that is very reasonable. And frankly, they've been doing this longer than Dropbox has, this enterprise-y type stuff. So I would, if, if you're looking to set it up for business, we're gonna cover that in today's show, but... I would almost start looking at Box before I went to Dropbox for that solution. Um, and then Microsoft OneDrive that comes with your Microsoft. Well, you can, you can buy it. I think it's $2 a month for 50 gigabytes. But if you get an Office 365 account, you get, I believe it's a terabyte storage with it. If you get, I guess it depends on which tier of the 365 account that stuff is always in motion. But it's, it's very focused on using the Microsoft products and maybe you run your whole business out of Microsoft Office, then that might be the proper solution for you. But I feel like all three of those are, are, are very specific to workflows. Like if you use Google stuff a lot, then Google Drive is probably where you should be looking. If you want the big enterprise stuff, you go with Box. And if you're a Microsoft you know, user, uh, I would look at OneDrive. But for most people, I believe, and that's the reason why we spent the show on it, is iCloud and, and Dropbox are the generic solution that, that will solve the problem for a lot of people. So, so where are we at the end of the day, Dave, you've already, you've already said you're an, you're on team iCloud for now. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if we're doing closing statements here, I mean, I think I clearly won the debate. I was, uh, I'm the best debater that's, uh, <laughs> that's ever been on the show. Really? You win. I bow uh, to you. I bow to you, Dave Chartier. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, you go did, on. but it was worth it. <laughs> but so I, I, um, I was ready to be Team iCloud, and that that user interface thing just made me want. It made me crazy, and so I said, you know, I'm going back to Dropbox, and 
and I have got all my stuff on Dropbox again. And I do like the sharing, the collaboration. I don't use too much, but the sharing stuff is super useful. The way it displays the files. I mean, even before Apple broke the iCloud sharing stuff, the prior dialog box was not as efficient as the one uh, Dropbox has. But it still makes me crazy that if I want to edit a PDF in one in some other application that I have to jump through all these hoops. So I'm not entirely happy with Dropbox, but that's the one I'm using for now. And uh, to me, this is not a settled you know dispute. I, I think I'm going to be keeping watching what happens. Like Dave, every time there's a new beta, I'm going to be watching to see if they, they start cleaning up some of the rough edges around iCloud. Because as somebody who doesn't need a lot of collaboration, iCloud could absolutely solve my problem if they could fix a few of these small problems. What about you, Katie? Where are you at on all this? No, I'm I'm definitely team Dropbox, but I also use iCloud for other things. I think you have to. If you're going to live in the Apple ecosystem, there are definitely things that you have to have an iCloud account for. So right now I'm paying a little bit for both, a little bit for iCloud, a little bit more for Dropbox. So that's, that's where it's going to stay for a while. I guess I'm also paying for Google Drive too, because I have a Google Apps for Work account, though I'm not really using that for much. Like Dave said, it's a death by a thousand clouds. It is. I have OneDrive because I'm paying for my 365 subscription. Oh, I forgot about that. I guess I've got that too. Jeez. Oh, I hadn't realized that. <laughs> well, I think Katie wins then. She I has guess, the most clouds. I guess I have the most clouds. I'll just be living up here in all my clouds. Well, they, they sneak up on you too. You know, like I, when I was making my list, you know, I've got Pocket and Evernote and, you know, I had a few Ooh. other random services like that. Evernote too. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, some of them certainly serve different purposes. Uh, you know, I still, I actually still have both Pocket and Evernote because ultimately I decided I'd like them for the purposes I use them for. And that could be a whole different show. But uh, um, yeah, you know, the, the clouds really, really sneak up on you. Um, as far as where I am, of course, you know, obviously I'm, I'm on team uh, iCloud, not necessarily because you know, it wasn't like a big, huge, major fandom thing or anything. It would, ju- it would just sort of, you know, functionally, uh, uh, pragmatically, it was just the thing that I could get by with and I could save some money. That for me was, was one of the larger goals that, that drove me into this whole process. So it's working out so far. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Apple does not have a fantastic track record with cloud services. And so if I start running into some of those big walls, I don't, I don't have an issue with, you know, firing Chronosync up again and, and heading back to Dropbox or somewhere else. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I actually have hope for this. I, th- I think Apple's getting better at this. And I do think that the things I'm, I'm whining about are fixable problems of all companies, Apple should be able to fix them. Yeah. So I, I'm not convinced that I won't eventually move over to iCloud. Uh, but the, um, but it's an interesting thing. I, I'm glad we did the show. Uh, I hope everybody out there gets something out of it. If, if you have an opinion on this that is different from one of the ones you heard, let us know. We can talk about it in the live show, send in an audio comment or an email or a tweet. We are um, at Mac power users. Katie is at Katie Floyd. I'm at Max Sparky. Dave, what's your uh, Twitter handle? It's uh, my last name, at Chartier. C-H-A-R-T-I-E-R for all of us, you know, Americans that aren't very good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, And and Dave, you also do some really great work over at um, Finer Things in Tech. Um, So just take a minute to tell everybody about that. Yeah, it's uh, thank you, by the way. Uh, It's a blog I've run for a few years now, and I my main focus of it is just get in and out of tech really quickly to help you get more out of your tech in, in bite-sized 
chunks. Uh, some of the posts there can be as short as like two or three sentences. If I can get across an idea or a tip on something that I found that I think might be useful. So I don't always want to write, you know, 500 words of exposition just to set the stage to get into something that's going to take another 500 words. So you can hopefully get something valuable in a very quick amount of time. Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Smile, Fracture, Casper, and Squarespace. And we will see you all next time.